Coastal, how are we doing? Doing well? What's the delay? You're like, wait, he's on the screen. He's right here. I was really hoping last night, I was watching that at uh, the Saturday night service and really hoping that uh, they did not get a clip from the message I was going to preach today. And so good news, uh, it's not the same. And uh, happy to be here. Justin Daly from Action Church, uh, Orlando, Florida. I get to pastor an amazing church there. We have four locations all across the city. Known your pastors uh, for a long time, really 2008. I remember uh, Pastor TJ and Shayla uh, taking us to the airport. We were visiting, thinking about moving down to, uh, to work at Bayside Community Church. Worked together for about a year, year and a half, and really been a part of the coastal journey the whole time. Down here for launch days and anniversaries, and have preached here several times. I, I count Pastor TJ uh, and Shayla, some of my closest friends, we play a ton of golf together. Uh, I'm way better at golf than he is. Uh, he's a way better preacher. And so if you don't like today, keep coming back. Uh, I'll go back to Orlando. TJ will come back here. We'll all be just fine. And so we're going to get through this together. Just we're going to get through it. Here's how we're going to get through it. I don't know you. You don't know me. I can't tell the difference in, in, in real uh, amens or uh, uh, fake amens or real laughs or fake laughs. So I just want to practice something. It's going to be more fun. If you've ever told a story to somebody and they didn't laugh or they weren't engaged. It's really, really awful. And so we're going to get through this next 35 minutes together. On the count of three, I want you to give me your best courtesy laugh. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell. Feels great. And so if you can tell I'm trying to be funny, little laugh never hurt anybody. If you can tell I'm preaching, little amen never hurt anybody. I don't know if you want to put your hands together a couple times throughout the sermon. That could work as well too. Again, I don't know. I don't know if it's real or fake, but grateful to be here. Grateful for what God is doing and uh, just love, love this place. I mean, starting new campuses, uh, building new buildings, preschools. Just if, uh, if, you, count, uh, if you call uh, Coastal home, uh, you should count yourself fortunate that God placed you here in this time and in this season. It really has been special to watch from the high school to the movie theater to what God is doing now. And uh, it's just it's a blessing to be here. We're going to talk about uh, an old school church term today. But, but hopefully we're not going to talk about it in that context at all. And that term is revival. Everybody say revival. revival. Now everybody say revival. Yeah, revival was a church meeting for me growing up. It was once a year, the Baptist church I grew up going to, we had four or five nights, we had revival. We'd have a guest pastor come in, we'd have a guest worship leader come in, and one time a year we would pray for revival. I'm not real sure why we didn't pray for the power of God any other weeks of the year, but that's what we did. And we had one week where we sought God, the power of God, the presence of God. That's not what I'm talking about Today, what I want to talk about is true revival. I need you to know before we go any further that revival is not an event. It's not a thing. It's not even a movement first. That revival, it starts on the inside of us. Revival starts with me. Revival starts with you. And when I say that word revival, here's what I mean. It's a return or a recovery to life from death or apparent death. It's a restoration of life, a renewal or a restoration of power. There are three types of people in this room today worshiping with us online. There are three types of people, and that is this. You, you need either one of these three things. The first one is this. You need a revelation of revival. You need a revelation of revival. Maybe you're new to this church thing. Maybe you're new to this religion thing, new to coastal. You need a revelation of the power and the presence of God. 
The second type of person, this would be probably the majority of us either today or in seasons, you need a renewal of revival. You need a renewal of revival. You've just gotten weary. You've gotten tired. You've started doing it on your own, and you need to come back to realizing that you need a revival in the presence and the power of God. The third person is this, and this may be a person in here. I've been here just in the past year and a half. We'll talk about that in just a few moments at the close today, where, you, where you've been in a season. You've done something or something's been done to you. Man, it may be one season. It may feel like your whole life is seasons of just struggle and, and tough. You need a resurrection of revival. There are some dead things in your life. It says restoration of things that are dead or apparently dead. There are things that are apparently dead in your relationships, in your walk with God, in your purpose, in your calling. And you need a resurrection of revival. I need to remind you, revival starts with you, but it shouldn't stop with you. Revival has to be received before it's given out. Before it can become a movement from a church, it has to start with you. You have to receive this power of God. How many of you like to give or receive gifts? Anybody in here? Anybody? Most, most everybody. And this, this, this late service is like you, you're awake, you've had a meal, you've had some caffeine. This is going to be my favorite service. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is going to be the best service of the day. That's the most hands. That is more hands than all the other services combined. Thank you for participating in the message today. What was I talking about? Giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. I love to give gifts. As I get older, I don't like to receive as much. Have you noticed that birthdays become less fun as you get older? I'm 37 years old. It's not like something I'm extremely looking forward to. Less hair, more wrinkles, more weight, and poor gifts. They're, they're worse. People start to give you functional things as you get older. When you're little, you're unwrapping everything. You're like Nerf gun, slide, oh my gosh. Now you're like clothes, cool. House products. Somebody gave me a subscription to socks last year. You know what I mean? Like, I hate, I hate opening gifts in front of people because there's so much pressure. Because I'm probably not going to like what you give me. And be like, thank you. You shouldn't have. No, seriously, do you have a gift receipt? Can I take it back? We struggle sometimes with receiving. We struggle sometimes with, with allowing God to do something on the inside of us. See, a lot of us, we come in here, we get excited. We want to go do something for God. But I'm here to tell you today that he wants to do, do something in you before he does something through you. That before you're a part of revival, you have to receive the power of God. In fact, it says this in Acts chapter 1. It says, but you, you and I, we will receive, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And you, a better translation of the original Greek is then, so you'll receive power then, so we don't do first, we don't give first, we receive first, then you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have to receive the power of God before we begin to operate in the purposes of God. We need revival in three areas today, probably more than three, but I've only got time for three. And now here's the first one, and the most important, the foundation. You and I, we need a revival of his presence. Write that down if you're taking notes. We need a revival of God's presence. If we're going to receive that power in these three points, we're going to see power in three different ways. And the revival of his presence is our power spiritually. We need God's power spiritually in 
our life. I'm here to tell you today that whatever you're walking through is more spiritual than you think. Your friendships, your relationships, difficulty at home, kids, business, job, life, what's happening in our world today, it's more spiritual than you think. We are spiritual beings, eternal beings, having a temporary human experience. We look at everything through a human lens first, and I'm just here to tell you it's more spiritual than you think. Your insecurity, your struggle, the sin, your mistakes, it's more spiritual than you think. Ephesians 6 says this, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. You say, Pastor Justin, I don't believe that. Just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's more spiritual than you think. We need a revival of his presence. We need his presence more than we need to walk in his promises. Now, I believe in the promises, God, for your life, for your family, but you need his presence more than anything else. Moses knew this. Moses knew this, Exodus 33. He's leading the people of God out of Egypt, out of captivity, over 430 years. They get through the Red Sea. Remember, he parts the Red Sea. A million of them walk across on dry ground. Manna from heaven, quail from heaven. Just everything is provided for them. They keep doubting. In Exodus 33, we see them sinning and doubting again. And God has this conversation with Moses. A pivotal moment in the leadership of Moses and an example for you and I to follow. He says, Moses, I'm a promise-keeping God. So I will allow you to enter, to cross the Jordan and to enter into the promised land that I told you that I would give you. The problem is that with the doubt of the people and the sin of the people, my presence cannot go with you. So I will give you the promise, but my presence can't go. And Moses responded the same way that you and I should respond. God, I don't want anything from you if you're not with me. I'm here to tell you, I don't care how good it is, how godly it is, the promises of God should not be walked in and lived out without the presence of God. We need the power and the presence of God. But all too often, we fail that test. You say, I wouldn't. Yes, you do. Because we follow God and we pray. We fast, we seek God, and then we get the promise. It's amazing how quickly we forget how we got the promise. Think about it. When we're in the wilderness, man, we're seeking God. But when things are going good, when the bank account's full, championships are being won, kids are being successful, going to school, making good grades, my family feels good, my marriage feels good, it's amazing how we're walking sometimes in the promises, the fulfilled promises of God, we keep God's presence in the background. We need a revival of his presence. I wrote this down. We shouldn't seek answers as much as we should seek God. If you seek answers in his promises, you probably won't find them. Couldn't understand them or walk in them even if you did. But if you seek God, the answers have a habit of finding you. Last thing before we move on to the next one. God's plans are discovered in God's presence. We need to stop seeking what he's going to do for us as much as just seeking him, his presence, who he is, and his character, his integrity, his heart. Revival of his presence. Here's the second one. Write this down. We need a revival of our personal disciplines. Revival of our personal disciplines. This one isn't as fun. Nobody ever gets excited. Not a whole lot of amens over the weekend when we start talking about personal disciplines. 
disciplines. I'm talking about our power practically. We need power spiritually. Now we need power practically. It means we have some steps to take. Again, we do not earn the, 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 uh, the grace of God. We do not earn the power of God. We do not do things to get to God. The whole point of the gospel is he got to us. But once we receive that power spiritually, that should change some things in our life. We should have some disciplines in place when it comes to time with God and prayer and reading his word. Mark 1 verse 35 says this, before daybreak the next morning, so early, early service. Come on, not the 1130 service, the 6 a.m. service. Y'all keep growing here at Coastal. Y'all going to have like a 6 a.m. service. You're not going to be there. None of you are going to be there, but there'll be people. Before daybreak, early the next morning, Jesus, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. You know who needed to pray less than anybody in human history? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He'd been around since the beginning. He's not surprised by anything. He's the second part of the Trinity. But when he made himself man, when he came into a sinful, fallen world, tempted by the enemy, just like you and me, feeling every human emotion that you and I have ever felt, what did he do first thing every day? Pray. How in the world could we read that and think that we can walk through anything in life without the presence of God, without seeking God first. We wonder why we get ourselves in so much trouble. It's because we're leading ourselves and not following God. How do we follow God? We spend time with him. Not just talking to him, but listening. And he speaks oftentimes through his word. I want to talk about the, the word for a second. The Bible, God's, God's gift to us, his voice to us. Says, don't, but don't just listen to God's word. It's great that we're here. It's great that we're attending church. We're called to gather as believers. We're called to do this, to worship together. It's, it's good, but don't just stop with listening to it. You must do what it says. Uh-oh. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if... If, if, if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you obey, God will bless. A lot of times the blessing, the breakthrough, the promise, the purpose is on the other side of our obedience. We need a revival in our personal disciplines. And I need to say something that may come across alarming, may come across uh, counter-Christian or or. or, or what you thought would be biblical, but, but, but hold on to the end. I'm going to tell you something. Again, it's going to sound harsh, so don't, don't stop here. Don't walk out. Don't, don't shut off. The Word of God cannot change your life. The Word of God cannot change your life. Let me illustrate it this way. How many of you have ever been to the beach? How many of you have ever heard of a beach? Sand, ocean, got it, good. Hot, sunny, summer day. Love going to the beach. My boys love the beach. We go to the beach every summer, a couple times a month. We live about 50 minutes from the beach up in the Orlando area. And, uh, you know, to go to the beach, need, need some things, especially with two boys, a lot of snacks. Come on, need a cooler, maybe a chair, umbrella, tent, frisbee, boogie board, spike ball, can jam. I mean, we were literally like we're moving to the beach every time we go to the beach. That's the best workout of the week for me is just taking all of the junk from the car or from the house to the beach. Something that you need, if you are uh, of my origin, my skin pigment, you need a little thing called sunscreen. Love sunscreen for me personally at Sunbum 30. It smells delicious. 
Organic, love it. Little brown, yellow uh, uh, bottle, spray, like the spray. I don't like the lotion. Against, I just don't, just don't like having lotion all over me. I like the spray. Way too much information, but you get it. Sunbum's amazing. I, I can read all about it. If I go to the beach and it's a hot day and I've got the sunbum in my pocket, on my beach chair, in the sand, maybe I'm reading about it. It's close to me. I got the directions. I got the label. I got the instructions. How many of you know if I keep that sunbum in that container and don't apply it to my skin, it does no good? It has all the things I need, but if I don't apply it, to what it's supposed to be applied to, it doesn't help me. I will leave there burned. I will leave there and think, I, I, but I brought sunscreen. But pastor, I went to church. But pastor, I read the Bible every day. It's not the word of God that you read that changes your life. It's the word of God that you apply. It's got to go on the skin. And here's the thing. You get that. I get that. You've heard that maybe before. But here's the thing. If I'm out there long enough, if it's a hot enough day and the sun is out, I cannot live off one application. I've got to consistently reapply that sunscreen every few hours as the heat is turned up and as the sun gets hotter and as life comes at you and the enemy turns up the heat. You cannot live off of once a week or twice a month or every once in a while. I've got to allow the word of God to be applied to my life. The word of God can and will change your life every single time when it's applied. When it's applied, the word of God applied changes your life. Here's the third thing. We need revival of God's presence. We need revival of our personal disciplines. Here's the last one. We need revival of our posture towards other people. If we're going to be a church, revival starts with me, but it doesn't stop with me. We need more of God than we've ever had. We need more practical, personal disciplines. But we've got to change the way we see people. Here's what it says in Matthew 22. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Verse 39, a second is equally important. It's like one and one A. They're tied. Not one and two, equally important. This is Jesus. It says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In fact, a, a better original language translation, these two hang on. All the others hang on these two commandments. Let me say it simply. They're the filter of everything else, that we love God and we love people. But the enemy has convinced us that people are our enemy. People that look different than us, talk different than us, different background, different political preference, different views. If you found that we've fallen in love with our opinions and fallen out of love with people. People aren't the enemy, Coastal. People are the point. And the enemy's got us fighting. And we've foregone the pursuit of real relationships for the sake of being right and we love to win arguments but winning those arguments is losing people and we're not called to win arguments we're called to win people for jesus it's quiet in here because we're all guilty of it we need a revival of our posture towards people people are the point revival starts with me but true revival can never stop with me so i want to ask you 
If you're a Christ follower in here, if you call Coastal home, Jesus is the Lord of your life. You've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you, how are you doing with revival not stopping with you? How many of you have seen God change your life, change your family, but it stopped there? Let me be very clear. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not talking to you. If you're just checking this place out, if you're, if you're new here, you attend here, you're still kind of kicking the tires in this whole relationship with God thing, do that as long as you want. Watch as long as you want. Drink as much free coffee. Go to the New Here tent every single week. Get you a turvis. Leave your kids here for multiple services. Go get some brunch. Get you a mimosa. Come on back. <laughs> just kidding. I think that's illegal, but just not my church. I'm leaving in about 30 minutes. But if you're a Christ follower here, I want to ask you a question. Are you a part of what God is doing here, the, the revival movement, the, the power of God that's moving this community? Are you a part of it or are you watching? Are you spectating? Any, next, any uh, Netflix subscribers in here? Netflix, anybody? Hulu, Amazon. How many, of you got, how many of you spend more on subscriptions now than you spent on cable before? You know, about two years ago, we're like, I'm cutting the cable, saving money. Now we've got 74,000 subscriptions. Every show I watch is on a different streaming service. They got me. They got me. It's like $3,000 a month just to watch TV. You ever, uh, you ever find yourself watching too much Netflix? You ever like binged a whole season in a night? You know what I mean? You've just been there. You get your friends over, maybe significant other, and it's about 3 a.m. You got a busy day tomorrow. You got a 7 a.m. meeting or kids got school. You look at that person. You say, hey, want to do one more? Just one more. I got to go to the bathroom. You get the snacks. I'll meet you back here. It's 3.30 a.m. <laughs> you ever gotten to the point in life where I believe you're right on the version of giving up on life and you've watched so many episodes that you see this screen on Netflix? Are you still watching? You ever got that screen before? If you have... You're a loser. <laughs> I've been there. It asks you that question because it's like, there's no way. There's no way you have nothing better to do than waste a half day streaming our content. It asks you that question because it assumes you're asleep or you're dead. So I want to ask you that question today. When it comes to what God is doing here through coastal kids, through outreach, through preschools, through seeing thousands of people meet Jesus, hundreds and thousands of people get free from addiction, people find their purpose, are you still watching? Are you still spectating, consuming what God is doing here, or are you in on it? Are you asleep or are you dead? Spiritually speaking. Maybe a better question is not, are you still watching? My question for you today would be, how are you still watching? When God has given you freedom, when he's given you grace, when he's given you hope, when he's given you a second chance, when he's given you something on the inside of you that you know he's changed your life, how in the world could you receive it and then not give it away? I think it's because of our view for people and our purpose. We need a revival in our posture towards people. I want to close with this. and Keys can come out because it gets more spiritual when the keys come out. You ever notice that? When the keys come out in church, if you're new to church, there's two things that happen when the keys come out. Pastors land in the plane. And uh, it's either like, thank God this is about to get good or thank God this is almost over. <laughs> so we're close. So either wherever you are in here, we're within about 11 minutes and 36 seconds from being done. Give or take. If you take a step out and 
say, God, I want to have revival, a revival of your presence, a revival of my personal disciplines, a revival of my, my purpose and my posture towards people. Can I just tell you it may cost you something? It may be tough. It may not be easy. See, we've settled for a false gospel, gospel in the West that it's always going to be easy once you give your life to Jesus. That's not in there. You have to leave out most of the New Testament if you think a life of following Jesus is easy. Now, salvation is free and easy. It's free for you. It costs Jesus everything. Salvation, to accept it, is free. But the cost of discipleship could be everything. Remember what Jesus said? Lay down your life. Pick up your cross. Follow me. It could cost you everything. So if you decide to, to live for heaven... If you decide to live for eternity, for the, the purpose of God, I'm just here to tell you today, it could be possible that all of hell could come against you. And here's how I want to close the message. I want to move this out of the way. Forgive the noise. It's a big table. Let's just say we're deciding today. Revival's happening in me. It's starting with me. It's not stopping in me or with me. I'm going to start walking in the purpose of God. I'm going to run. You're going to run out of here today. I'm telling everybody, I'm excited. I'm in. Maybe you're, you're, you're recommitting. It's, a, it's a re-upping your, your, your faith today, your posture towards people. I'm going. Here's what's going to happen. The enemy, the opposition is going to come in. And a run could turn into a walk. A walk could turn into a, a stagger. You could get to a point where you just can't go any further. Reminded of Joshua after the victory at Jericho, the defeat that happens the next chapter, he's literally lying down on his face. It says sackcloth and ashes, head down, weary, depressed, overwhelmed. And the enemy, once you give your life to Jesus, once you sign up for this revival of his presence and his power, the enemy can no longer destroy you, but he will spend the rest of your life trying to distract you. And, and I picture us getting stuck just like Joshua. Pastor, I signed up for revival, for a resurrection, a renewal, or a revelation. But I picture us like Joshua today because Joshua was following God, but he was still distraught and discouraged. And I want to ask you the question today as we close out this message. Have you ever been in this place where coming out of a season of loss or season of grief or season of doubt where you just don't want to go any further? The lie when we're here is that we're alone. That's what the enemy does. He isolates. And what he does is he convinces us that nobody will ever understand our pain. Nobody will ever understand our trauma, our abuse, our struggle. And he's good at it, and he even does it in church. He probably did it for some of you today. You're walking in, going through a tough season, and you see people with their hands lifted high. Smiles on their face. Maybe their family's all here and yours isn't. Maybe they've got something that you don't have and you think, man, nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm just here to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. Because I may not know everything. You may say, Pastor, you don't understand. You're... You, you get paid to, to preach, and you're a professional Christian, and it, it, that's just what you do and what you say. Can I just tell you, can I be transparent for a moment? There's not a whole lot 
in this room that I haven't experienced over the last couple years. Like you say, nobody knows. I know what it's like to suffer loss. I know what it's like to lose someone. I know what it's like to be betrayed by somebody that's not supposed to betray you. I know what it's like to be lied to and lied about. I know what it's like to suffer abuse. Let's get real for a moment. Have you ever been in this place like Joshua was, head down and where it's just tough to, to move. You're so overwhelmed, you're so depressed, you're so anxious that it takes you a little longer to get out of bed in the morning. That the silence in your life is deafening. It's lonely. It's a tough place to be. I want to give you some good news today. The enemy can't destroy you. So if you if you have Jesus in your life, you're not going to stay here. The good news is this is a season. It's not a sentence. But here's my fear. Is if we get up the wrong way from this moment, we may find ourselves back here very quickly. And here's what I mean. Have you ever gotten up too fast? Like laying down, you pop up and you get dizzy. Like, well, I got to sit down. Maybe come on Sunday afternoon nap today, you wake up and you're like, I, I don't even know where I am. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He knows he can't keep you here, but he wants to get you back here distracted as soon as he can. So he wants you to get up from this place and start running. And I want to give you a step-by-step process, rework our way through this message on what we need to do. Here's what I believe God said to me in my season, and I think he's saying it to you today in this service. Before you get up, you got to roll over and you got to look up. Just practically, if you tried this today, it's way more comfortable to lay like this. I can breathe better. Clarity, perspective. He told Joshua to look up because Joshua was face down in discouragement. The Bible tells us to look up because that's where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. And you need power spiritually before anything else. Before I get up and start running again in my own power, I need God to meet me in the pit. I need God to meet me in the fire. I need God to meet me at my brokenness. It says his, his strength his power is made perfect in my weakness. I need to meet him in my weakness, and I need to look up before I get up and say, God, I don't want to get up without you. I need you to heal me. I need you to set me free. I need you to encourage me. Whatever it is, I need you to set me free, to revive something in me spiritually. The next thing, I need some power spiritually. The next thing, I need some power practically. I got to sit up. I'm not ready to run yet, but I got to take a step. I got to make sure I'm situated. I got stuff on me and clean, get everything's back the right way. You can't do this first. It's got to be spiritual first. It's got to be foundational first. It's more spiritual than you think. But there's some next steps. And the church for far too long has done a bad job with this because we say, well, God's just got to set you free and you just got to go do it. No, you got there for a reason. Only God can heal you and set you free. But there's some steps that you and I have to take. Some care of our emotions, some mental health, some rehab, recovery, counseling, mentors, friends, medication. There's some stuff we need practically before we get back on the journey. Again, it can't, we can't make this an idol and be first. It's got to be Jesus and the power of God. But there's some things that we need to do practically on the way back. Then we've got to stand. 
we stand and we get our bearings and then once we realize that God set us free and we've done the work, now we can begin to walk in the power and the presence and the purpose of God. And here's what I think he wants to do, Coastal. Because we've all been in some version of that. And the enemy would lie to us that that season was a season of disqualification. I believe that that season sometimes can be the best qualification for your future ministry. Because now you don't spectate. Now you don't speculate. Now you don't have ideas that I read a book or I heard or I have a friend who. You're like, no, I was abused. No, I walked through that situation. Here's what I'm saying. Don't allow the enemy to use that for your destruction. Allow God to use it for his glory and for your good. Don't waste the pain. You went through it. Why waste it? When somebody else you can meet in their time of need and said, I've been there. I don't understand everything you're going through because that's insensitive and that's ignorant. Stop saying that. I understand. You don't understand because it's not your story. But you can say, I've been through something similar. I've walked through it. Here's what God did for me. And God can use your worst moments to meet others in that same place and revival can start from even the toughest of situations. I want to close with an encouragement. If you're in that season right now, I just want to tell you from experience, if you're not dead, God's not done. And Romans 8 says, God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that used to be a, a preachy verse for me. That used to be we can do it verse. But I'm just here to tell you in your worst moments, if it's not good, God is not done. And I don't know if it's going to be good next week, next month, next year, next decade. But I know that the promise of God that he's working things all together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, is true. And that is something that you can cling to, that I'm going to allow God to work this thing out for my good catch this more importantly for his glory the revival may start in different seasons in different places but he's going to start it in us before he works it through us to help other people would you bow your heads today every head bowed every eye closed god we love you god we thank you for your word in acts chapter 1 and matthew 22 we thank you for your word in ephesians 6 today that it's true powerful church nobody looking around just for a moment if you're in here and you say, Pastor Justin, I, I need a, a revelation of revival today. I need a revelation of the, the Spirit of God that comes through a relationship with Jesus. Jesus talked about it all service. The perfect Son of God lived a perfect life so he could die a sinner's death in your place. The cross gives you forgiveness. The resurrection gives you victory. What's your role? To receive. How do you receive? It says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord means he has control of your life. The key decision you're making today is a decision to surrender. For some of you, it's for the first time ever. You've never made this decision. Today is your day of salvation. But I believe many of you are just like me. You're in a moment where you're hurting, where you kind of lost your way. You stalled. And today's the day to look up. Today's the day of renewal. Today's the day of recommitment. If that's you, for the first time, or today you're looking up for the first time in a long time, saying, I'm renewing my relationship with Jesus. Would you raise your hand just so I know who I'm praying with today? I need a relationship with Jesus. I got one, two here, three, 
four in the middle. Five, got you, got you in the back. Yep, a couple of you, see you. Best decision you can make. Two more, yep. It's about 10 or 12 of you in the room. So proud of you, honored to share this moment with you. Got you. Yeah, got you. A couple hands still going up. You're just looking up. Saying, God, I can't do this alone anymore. It's amazing. God sees you. I believe there's revival in your spirit happening today. Power in Jesus' name. Would you put your hands down? Just pray in your heart. Just right where you are. Pray it in your heart as I pray it out loud. You can say something like this. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for saving me. Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I'm saved only by your grace. Today, I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place. Complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us, every single one of us, that this season, this week, today, we'd have a revival of your presence. God, we're going we're gonna to ask you to lead us in every situation. God, this week, let us do some things differently. Let us seek you first. Let us read, listen, and apply what you're saying to us. And then, God, don't let it stop with us. Let this not just be a, a room full of Christians that are on fire for you, that are passionate for you. Let that passion overflow into our communities. Let our posture towards people change today. Revival starting in us but not stopping with us. We're going to see it spread in Jesus' name. People, because of our witness, are going to meet you and their life and the eternity will never be the same. We love you. We praise you for what you did today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at Coastal said amen and amen. Can we celebrate all those decisions that were just made? Come on, celebrate them.